In my conversations with the service providers, that's a regular question I ask of where is the edge, right? From your perspective, is the edge at the end of your, your data center? And it's a different network outside of that. And many of them say, no, it's that device that's sitting in the home. That is our edge. The network edge is moving closer and closer to the end user. We're going to learn more about that today on The Signal. All right, this is Martha DeGrasse here again for Wi-Fi Alliance, and this is The Signal, our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. And today we are thrilled to welcome a new guest to The Signal. He is Will Torgerson, VP and GM of Broadband at Max Linear. Will, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Martha. I really appreciate joining you today. Yeah, well, we are here at CES, so we know you're busy, and we're glad that you could carve out a little time from your schedule to be here. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about Max Linear, since it's your first time on the podcast? Yeah, I'd love to. Max Linear, it's a company that's been around for 20 years, but a lot of people aren't familiar with the company. Started off with a number of engineers really wanting to move RF and mixed signal technology from older legacy technologies into the CMOS world that provides scalability and and more efficiency overall. So it was really a fundamental element of the beginnings of the company. That has been the basis of how the companies move forward and builds a lot of the great technology we have today from wireless for 5G, our Wi-Fi technologies, our DOCSIS technologies, so on and so forth. So great fundamental founding of the company. The other side of our founding is we had a really good collaboration with our customers. Really has been a key element of how we built success. So we started off with a number of customers in non-service provider markets. But as we've added technology and we built products more and more aligned with the service providers, we spent a lot more time engaged with them and really found that they've got wonderful thought leaders that are helping us define the technology that we need to go off and build. We truly taken that to heart. And that's what has driven us to build this single chip tri-band Wi-Fi solution that we've announced and that we've been certified with, with the Wi-Fi Alliance. So we're really happy about that, driving the power and the uh, bandwidth needs of the next generation Wi-Fi platforms. Okay, great. Now this is the Puma 8, is that right? Well, the Puma 8 is our DOCSIS chip. And then we have our tri-band Wi-Fi 7 chip, which we call our Wave family of products. This is our Wave 700. It's what we call it for Wi-Fi 7. The legacy of the Wi-Fi team came back from Metalink and then to Intel and now part of Max Linear. And this chip combines the great things of both companies, the digital and the Wi-Fi knowledge from Metalink and the Intel teams, along with the RF mixed signal capabilities of Max Linear combining into the single chip solution that we brought out. That's wonderful. And I think you were telling me about a pretty compact gateway that you're showing here at CES. Yeah, Max Linear sits really on the forefront of building these access point solutions. And we have been for a number of years and as we've added technology to our portfolio. So we've tried to take the feedback from the operators and from the retail people to build these platforms. And a lot of the feedback has, again, been power, power. We need lower power, but we need the performance of the platform. So one really cool thing that we're demonstrating here at CES in our suite is we have a very small box. It's not much larger than than a box of chocolates that you may be getting for Valentine's Day, but it provides 10 gigabit symmetric services from a service provider. 
as well as this TriBand Wi-Fi 7 solution. So it's in a two-liter box. So it fits inside of a two-liter box of soda or a small box of chocolate and provides all that capability for the service providers and ultimately for the consumers that they support. Very nice. Now, can you tell us a little bit about how you support the OEMs and not just the service providers? Yeah, you know, it's really an interesting marriage Mm -hmm. between all of us in this space, right? The service providers have a lot of their own things that they develop internally. They may work with specific hardware or software vendors on certain capabilities that they want to integrate. But ultimately, there's a lot of value that the OEM can bring on the platform as well. So we spend time with both. We have a lot of wonderful partners. A number of them are demonstrating platforms based on our solutions at CES this week. On the Doxus 4 side, Hytron and Comscope are both demonstrating Doxus 4 gateway boxes that leverage both of our Wi-Fi and our Doxus technology. And we have a number of other OEMs that are going to be uh, rolling out platforms. So it's a really a tight collaboration. We have to make sure that they really understand what they're doing on the platform side using our technology and make sure it satisfies what's needed by the service providers and something we wake up every day thinking about. Okay. Well, while you're here at CES, I know that you're thinking a lot about all the consumer applications that are driving more and more demand for bandwidth. What are you seeing or what are you thinking about that's really going to drive the most demand in 2024? Yeah, what we're starting to see, the evolution here is that there's more and more connectivity in the home. And some of it's just the streaming services that we need to be able to support There's more AR and VR applications that we're seeing come about. I have a neighbor in Southern California that works from home, works for a biotech company, but they have integrated VR glasses and VR meetings into their everyday work environment. So I get to see this live going on with how companies are leveraging this technology. And it gives me some additional insight that I haven't had before. So there's a lot of that that's actually evolving. It's coming more and more into the market side. Yeah. So there's a lot of bandwidth needs that are that are happening and that we're focused on. But it's also about this broad connectivity, right? You need this robust connection for all the IoT devices. So we see the connections with the various appliances that are starting to come about. There's a lot of cameras and thermostats, those sorts of devices. And even, I don't know, I've I've seen a robust amount of uh, robots that have been sold and that everybody seems to be deploying now. They're all Wi-Fi connected to. So more and more devices are going to continue to come online, leverage these technologies, not just for the speed, but for also just the broad and reliable connectivity. Right. So when you say robots, do you mean like robot vacuums? Yeah, the vacuum cleaners. But but that will continue to evolve. But yes, those. The other thing that we're seeing and that we focus on with our platform is not only, I mean, it is really about the connectivity. Ultimately, the devices have to connect to the user, both on the service provider side, but on whatever the device is that they're connecting to. But we also see this next layer coming in of these edge computing applications. Service providers, it's a wonderful footprint to be in because you're really at the very, very edge of their network, right? The devices that are connected beyond that, the service providers may or may not be participating with, but that broadband platform is a wonderful edge point that allows them to manage the data, provide additional security. They can anonymize data that's going up into the upstream. There's AI applications that are evolving that you'll start hearing about as well that are running on these boxes. So it's really, really an amazing footprint and a wonderful place that we get the privilege to be a part of. So are you really seeing the access point as an edge device now? Oh, it's very much an edge device. In my conversations with the service providers, that's a regular question I ask of 
where is the edge, right? From your perspective, is the edge at the end of your, your data center? And it's a different network outside of that. And many of them say, no, it's that device that's sitting in the home. That is our edge. And we want to figure out how we can bring value for our customers there because there is an opportunity for us to provide additional services that really change the dynamics for the people that they serve. So I would think your low power, low footprint is super valuable because they're also going to need a lot of processing in that edge device. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And at one of our other demos, we're demonstrating a very low power application running where we're well below six watts running with our Wi-Fi 7 solution and our processor. As more data starts happening, the power goes up a little bit, but it immediately drops back down as those applications and the uh, the Wi-Fi connections go away. We do this because we have a very strong customer base in Europe, okay. and there's a very strong push in Europe for pushing the power consumption down and driving the COC numbers down, code of compliance numbers, the power consumption of the boxes. So we have an extreme focus on driving power consumption down in our platforms, which is really helped by, again, our relationships with our operator customers and our service providers in in Europe. Yeah, I I feel like the U.S. is going to be a beneficiary of what Europe is forcing companies to do because we're all going to become more power efficient because we have to. And isn't the EU making laws that are going to be even more strict going forward? Aren't there some deadlines coming up? There are. And we've seen the service providers actually have higher standards than the legal requirements, though. Oh, good. And and they're actually setting very strict targets for their board and for their employees to achieve these targets as well. So I think there has been a, a strong embrace from the service provider community in Europe to really drive the power consumption down. And I think you're right. I think it will start to move into the U.S. and Canada and and Central and South America as well. Yeah, because of companies like you that that serve both markets. Well, I almost get it for free because we're doing (laughs) it, right? It becomes as it comes with a package of working with Max Lanier. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Wi-Fi 7. Wi-Fi 6 and 6E, we do all kinds of podcasts about how fast and robust they are. And yet the projections for demand for uptake of Wi-Fi 7 are very, very strong. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that is? Well, for me, Wi-Fi 7 is really, it's a game changer, right? For a couple of reasons from my perspective. Number one, it's really the step where 6 gigahertz goes mainstream, right? 6E was the beginning. There was a few devices that could support it. But it really was not broad-based. I think Wi-Fi 7 is where 6 gigahertz goes really mainstream. You have this massive highway of uh, available bandwidth that's unobstructed, very little interference there. So it's a wonderful medium for really adding a lot of bandwidth. So supporting those high bandwidth needs. The other thing is multi-link operation or MLO. One of the reasons why we embarked on doing a single-chip tri-band solution was MLO. We saw MLO as really multi-link operation where we can actually direct data across two different radios, 5 gig and a 6 gig or a 2.4 and 5 or whatever in our case. So we have complete flexibility to be able to offer that on our platform with our integrated solution. And we see that as an enormous advantage because that is going to provide much higher bandwidth for those high bandwidth designs, much lower latency, so we can be much more spectrally efficient, right? We can get off the air more quickly, and it provides that seamless connection for all of these applications that are going to be rolling out. Yeah. How easy do you think it's going to be for service providers to educate the consumers about the value of Wi-Fi 7 and multi-link operation? Yeah, I, 
I don't know. It's, it's challenging, right? There's a lot of challenges today on specifically related to how is security going to work uh-huh. on MLO, okay, right? And yeah. I, I think there are a lot of people working on that. I think that's problem is going to be solved. And MLO becomes the underlying piece that nobody knows about. And then all of a sudden, nobody can live without. <laughs> right? That's how I think about it, right? Because to, it is very complicated. But at the end of the day, why does the consumer need to know? They need to know that their smartphone, their TV, their set-top box, their whatever connects and that their goggles connect and they're getting the data rates that they need. And if it's running across a, a five and a six gig band, they don't care. They want to know that that connection is there and that they can get that bandwidth available when they need it, on demand when they need it. Okay. So what are your predictions for the uptake of Wi-Fi 7 this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting year on seeing the uptake. I think we're going to start to see the momentum change in the uh, first and second quarter. I mean, there's a lot of announcements coming out now with the Wi-Fi Alliance testbed kind of announcing the certification. That really kicks off the steam. I've seen a lot of products that are announced in the enterprise space as well as the retail space for that. I think the 6 gigahertz band, we're going to see more and more clients that come online mm-hmm. that start to pull in the need for more of the Wi-Fi 7. And I've actually spoken with operators that see it as a wonderful opportunity of now that they have devices that have 6 gigahertz capability, that will help drive their their access points and to the next generation, right? So they're, 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 there's a marriage that's going on between both of those. So I think we'll see a, a really strong uptake especially in the second half of the year. We're going to see that momentum build as we go through the year. Christmas, and, maybe? Yeah, 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 well, yeah, exactly. You're going to get the build time in the second half of the year to really get going. It's going to take those devices coming online, but it's wonderful really to see a number of devices start to be introduced that support Wi-Fi 7 on the client side. That's, that's the important piece. Are there any new categories of devices that you're hearing about or seeing here at CES? I'm not aware of any new category specifically. I don't, to me, I see their evolutionary pieces of things that already exist today, just offering more bandwidth or a swizzle. But there's a lot of cool tech around the the Wi-Fi 7 side. Well, we need to let you out of here and get you back down on the show floor because I bet they're down there. We just don't know what they are, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Will Torgerson, VP and GM for the Broadband Group at Max Linear. Thank you so much for being here on The Signal. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it was great. And that is our show. Don't forget to check the show notes for more resources and be sure to follow The Signal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And of course, at the Wi-Fi Alliance. That's y-fi.org. I'm Martha DeGrasse here for the Wi-Fi Alliance. Thank you so much for listening to The Signal and please join us next time.